0: All right, here we go, one, two, one, two, three, four. Welcome to Reach Arts. We are a community arts organization in Swampscott, Massachusetts. In this first series, we are asking six local artists 20 questions. These questions range from how do you procrastinate to what would you do with an imaginary friend? Keep listening to get to know a few artists and how they think about art, life, stuff. Stephanie Timmerman is a photographer and multimedia artist with a Ph.D. in molecular biology. She was born and raised in Germany. Environmental and social issues are a focus of her artistic practice. A window installation, Facts of Life, and a full room immersive installation, Metamorphosis 20, were both exhibited this past year at Gala, Galleries at Lynn Arts in downtown Lynn. Her series, Gaia, that takes on environmental destruction, was exhibited here at Reach Arts. Let's listen. Hello everyone. Today I have with me in the Reach Arts Gallery, Stephanie Timmerman. How are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you. Excellent. And are you ready to answer 20 questions about art life stuff? (laughs) I hope so. Excellent. We'll start with the first one, shall we? Yep. What did you want to be when
1: you were growing up? So the very first thing that I wanted to be was become a wolf. And I'm I'm honest here. Well, I was five years old, to be fair. But I would literally run through the woods to go ahead and get enough stamina to be accepted as a wolf. And then I became six years old and I realized that won't happen, right? So I was just like, okay, well, they always tell you you can be anything you want to be. Uh, No. So don't tell your kids maybe you can be anything you want to be. (laughs) But the funny thing is that... I think it was in 2014, I actually went on YouTube and I found this guy who, honest to goodness, was a biologist and he is researching wolves and he was accepted in a pack of wolves. He was even, it was one of these things, he spent most of his time with the wolf pack and they were mostly wild. They had some feeding stations so that he could come in and he even had a role in the pack. He was the mediator. And so I was just thinking, darn, (laughs) I shouldn't have given up that
0: much. In just one year from five to six, you got very mature in that year, right? That you realized. Yeah, well, I guess it's that people told me, hey, you
1: know, um, so stuff like this. But then I sort of switched a little bit gears and I said, I want to be Heinz Seelmann. So Heinz Seelmann, I come from Germany, is sort of like the Steve Irwin of Germany. He's a little bit more sedate and stuff. And I thought that would be really cool. So then I studied biology and I'm like, hmm, maybe there is no money in that. So fast forward and I studied molecular biology and then I didn't like that. And so I became an
0: artist. That's a road wolf biologist artist. (laughs) What was the first piece of art you ever made as a, no, I won't say as a wolf, as a biologist, <laughs> or as an artist, but what was the first piece of art you ever made that you remember?
1: Okay, that I remember seeing or that I remember? So I okay. remember photos that I was in Montessori kindergarten and I made this, how would you call this, this very self portrait. It's a self portrait, but it was very abstract. And I have to say to this day, I actually kind of like it. (laughs) But I mean, it doesn't exist anymore. And then the next thing that I really do remember making is that um, my mother and I went into one of these um, clay classes, you know, mommy and me at the time. Now it's probably parent and me. And I was in this phase, I think I was eight to 10 years old. I loved horses, you know. So all I made was horses. So we literally had horses everywhere. And the funny thing is that, of course, I couldn't be told what to do, how to make it more stable. I made them my certain way, and it was a very brutalist approach. So I'd roll out a slab, I'd curl it under, and then I'd make these stomping columns for legs. But the whole thing was so wet. With clay, you have to wait a certain period of time. And so they would sort of collapse, and I would all make them knock-kneed so that they would stand up. And the funny thing is, so I made, I must have made 25. And years later, I mean, this was, remember, when I was 8 to 10 years old. And So I would apparently gift them all to my father, who was very happy. And I had thought later on that he was just a good liar. Turns out now he really, really liked them. And when I was 18, I visited his um, workplace. And there they were, all on the (laughs) windowsill. was like a whole horde of horses and my gosh it was one of these things you're so embarrassed because now you're 18 right and you're like oh gosh they're really so ugly but you're also sort of touched because he's like I really like them I like showing them off and I'm like oh gosh <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, that's the first thing I actually do remember making
0: <laughs> okay I'm afraid to ask you the third question no. <laughs> What is your favorite artwork by someone else?
1: So right now it's Carrie Mae Weems. Um, and the title is From Here I Saw What Happened and I Cried. It's actually a very, very sad piece. Um, it is found images um, of um, black African-American people, usually daguerreotypes, um, things from um, you know the Civil War. And she repurposed them. She is an African-American woman herself, um, wonderful artist. Um, And she overlaid um, a red filter, sort of blood, um, approaching blood um, as as a color. And she overlaid what these people could have done or could be doing. And you're very aware that these are Slave photos, um, a lot of them were made by someone called um, Agassiz, um, who actually wanted to go ahead and show that white people are superior as a race, of course. Most of these are held by Harvard, some other institutions. And the weird thing is that when she repurposed these for her series, Harvard actually tried to sue her, saying that she was repurposing them and that that was artwork that Harvard was holding and they came to an understanding and later on a couple of years later i think they actually went ahead and wanted to exhibit the series and now they i think own a couple of these pieces so i thought it was very interesting to see how harvard as a venerable institution but also very in the racist tradition first says you cannot do this even though we you know, took images from people that um, were not able to say no. You can't take this from us. And then later on, realize that it's actually an important discussion. And so I like this, this arc very much. I also like the artwork. It's, it's very hard to see. Um, it's, oh, I want to say it's 20-ish images. And I've only seen the whole thing online but even then small images on the screen it is very moving. And sorry, what's her name again? Her name is Carrie
0: Mae Weems. Carrie Mae Weems. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Where do you find your inspiration? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Where do you find your inspiration? Pretty much everywhere. <laughs> Mostly I
1: would say it's when I'm idling. So let's say I walk the dog, and the dog's sniffing somewhere, or we're just like walking our usual round, and my mind starts wandering. Okay.
0: You know what word I really like that you use? You said, I uh, am inspired when I'm idling. What a lovely word, isn't it? (laughs) To be idle. (laughs) When you start a new piece, how do you begin?
1: There's two different ways. So... When I have a mission, I have a goal, I have an idea. And what happens then is I have this super cool idea and I need to make this. And then I go ahead and I look, for example, if it's a photography piece, I will think what needs to be all in there? What props do I need to get? How can I go ahead and get them cheaply or find maybe something similar in my basement? What model do I need? Where am I setting the lights? What is the background? So I'm Basically, figuring this all out in my brain. And then I'm done, so I collect the props, and then usually it's like, hmm, that didn't quite work (laughs) the way (laughs) it worked in my brain. Because my brain is a little flexible when it comes to 3D things. And then there's the other way, which is actually something I'm sort of trying to get myself more into the habit of doing, which is just doodle. It's the idle thing again. So you're just doodling. I might go ahead and late in the evening, I'm like, okay, it's either Netflix or go on Photoshop. So I might go on Photoshop and then I give myself permission to just crank up the saturation or work with some mixing slider or something like this. And all of these things will then go ahead and often lead me to a new technique or a new way. And I'm like, oh, I like this little kernel. And then I might actually if i still have time go ahead and scrap this all and do this with you know an image that i think might be good for this kernel and redo this and um you know usually art appears sort of and um i'm not saying that this doodling always gets to something or that that doodling gets you to this fantastic art piece but it's definitely something that gives me a level of technique that i haven't tried before and it's more free form so I personally prefer artwork that is very loose and and you know not um, still life for example I love still lives but I love if there's something unexpected something that breaks out of the mold um, Olivia Parker for example does this super well that she has live things in a still life which technically isn't allowed but hey you know you're an artist you can break the rules. <laughs> So yeah, so I'm trying to go ahead and break the own rules that my brain, you know, my, what is it, the the left side brain always
0: goes ahead and tries to do. Okay, you are an idling, doodling rule breaker. Ooh.
1: (laughs) I like that. (laughs) I should write that down.
0: (laughs) What do you wear when you work?
1: Um, Pretty much whatever is handy. So I don't have a specific smock to be fair I should say when I do ceramics I do wear a smock because I get dirty everywhere I will find the stuff in my hair afterwards between my toes so I try to go ahead and wear a smock to just contain it a little bit but other than that as I'm not someone I mean as a photographer you need to be comfortable and that's pretty much it I do have to say that I've ruined a fair number of clothes because there's grass stains that I couldn't get out because I needed to absolutely go ahead and scooch into something to get the perfect shot. That's just the cost of doing business, I guess.
0: What do you do when you're procrastinating or do you procrastinate? Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Good to hear. (laughs)
1: it's very interesting so there's two types of procrastinating one is to go ahead and get things that need to get done done Um, let's say I have to go ahead and apply for a scholarship or to get my art exhibited somewhere I will have no problems getting the art ready but then framing it or filling out my CV updating it (laughs) Now, when did you start calling yourself an artist? Ah, so that's the most difficult question you will ask today, because I don't know the answer yet. So I would say, oh, like 12 years ago. Let's start there. 12 years ago, we came to the U.S. for the second time. And um, I started working for an internet um, stock photo agency. And... Um, It soon happened that whenever you were exhibiting somewhere just as a regular artist, not as a professional photographer, they would say, so are you an artist? And are you a professional artist? And the question was always framed as if you make a sizable amount of your income from this, then you're an artist, you're a professional artist. And I'm like, the shoe doesn't fit, but hey, (laughs) it is what it is. And, you know, then... You do this for long enough, you know, you fake it till you make it. That's really sort of true. And people are starting to ask you for technique input. And you're starting to run workshops and all of these things. So it becomes easier, I would say. But um, sort of like I would say like two years ago, maybe three years ago, I started saying, yeah, it feels like a good fit. It's actually I am an artist. Mostly, I would say, because I had this mind shift I think a lot of people are artists, probably all of us. It's just that we're not making art necessarily that is exhibited in a gallery or that people want to buy.
0: (laughs) How often do you talk to other artists (laughs) slash non-artists?
1: A lot, actually. Now, I wouldn't say that everything is deep down, and I have to say that with the pandemic, it has been difficult to do the deep dive. But I would say that two, three times a week I talk to artists um, and I use that term loosely. If I have a Facebook discussion and not just like, oh, I like your photo, but really, oh, why did you do this? And I really like that specific thing. Um, do you have others, other photos or paintings in the same series that you know, go ahead and make this come out more? Um, I would say, yeah, two to three times a week.
0: Now, when you are working on something how do you know when you're done no i don't
1: (laughs) well i mean i really love this um long long time ago i i read this quote and usually i don't like quotes it's like um art is never done it merely stops in interesting places and i'm like actually that's that's kind of ringing true and i should say to this as a photographer of course um, I click the shutter, so then that portion is done. Then I might add things in Photoshop, or I might use um, a different printing technique or something like this. And so there is a a time when, well, there is just nothing you can do anymore. This is not like a painting where you can add things to it. But then recently, I just pulled out some, um, well, two years ago, I pulled out cyanotypes, and I'm like, This is not really great, so I could go ahead and discard it. Or I could go ahead and add something to it. Because there's elements I really like. Maybe I should just go ahead and make these come more to the forefront. And I actually got some acrylic paint and started painting on it. And some I liked, and then some I put away. They're like, I guess it didn't work. And um, I'm sort of a pack rat, so I don't throw a lot of things away. And then a year later, during the pandemic, I looked at them and I'm like, oh, I need to put red there. So I'm grabbing my red and I just added red there. So there's sort of these these plateaus where you're like, hey, this looks pretty good. And even with like regular photos, I might print them a certain way, use them a certain way. And then 10 years later, I have a completely different approach. And I'm like, this photo would fit in there. And I might pair it as a, you know, diptych with something. Or I will go ahead and redevelop it. And obviously, my Photoshop skills are much better than 12 years ago. And um, I also have a very different way of approaching the world now. So I'm not saying that what I did 12 years ago is bad necessarily. Though some of it probably (laughs) is. Just like what I do now, right? I mean, it's like everything I do now is like it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. But then... Two weeks later you're like, nah, nah. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so but it's just different. I mean, you're a different person. So and I guess that's what I really like about art. You I mean, once it's sold, once it's out of your hand, obviously it's done in some way. Um, but yeah. And of course you can always do too much, right? I mean, there's so many things that I have added paint and it was great, and I've added some more paint and it was great. And then I added more paint and I'm like, oh
0: why did I do this? And what are you working on right now? I work on a soft sculpture thing for
1: um, Gala, um, Galleries at Lin Arts. Um, We're having a new um, show coming up, and it's called Unraveling Time and Space. And first I was thinking, mm, I don't really do this because mostly I'm a photographer. But To be fair I'm also more thinking as a conceptual artist, so before I had any ideas about what to do with my camera, I just plucked some old uh, leggings that my daughter didn't want to wear anymore, and I'm now trying very hard to transform it into a climate clock. Now what was the best piece of advice you were ever given? Ah, yeah, so, hold on, I wrote this down because... I just never remember this, but, ah, yeah, it's really, really short, and it's my husband who actually said this, I believe in you, that's all you need, I mean, after that, everything else is just garnish, that's nice, Mm -hmm. I like that. And he truly does, which is the really, really scary part. Say, like, how did I
0: deserve this? <laughs> okay, your plane just landed. Where are you? Real life or imaginary life? You decide.
1: Okay, real life. Anywhere in the U.S. Um, going and meeting with um, someone to go ahead and get um, my piece hung up in a show, or you know, visit a show that I'm really, really interested in. But if it's more on the non-pandemic, anywhere I could go, Denmark, Denmark, Denmark. So you remember that I said I'm from Germany and um, basically every year um, we had six weeks of vacation um, in the summer. And we spent those six weeks on the Danish waterfront anywhere it was, you know, um, Baltic or North Sea. I do prefer the North Sea but pretty much anywhere. They're just, they're really cool people. They're just so relaxed. Or, well, I have to say, my interactions are obviously now decades old, but they just feel very relaxed. Um, But it's also that it's just, there's a lot going on life and, you know, all those little critters and, you know, bugs everywhere and everything. And it just... You know, there's a lot of memories, but there's also just that I do love the sea, which is partly why I'm so happy to to live here in Swampscott. But it's also just, you always have the wind, you always have the ocean, and that's pretty much enough. It is, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Now, what makes you lose track of time? Doing art. I mean, this is like, yeah, I... I will basically sort of wake up out of my photo coma <laughs> when my husband comes in. is like, hey, um, you know, I need to get up at 7 o'clock in the morning. It's 1 now. <laughs> and I'm like, oops. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it's, it's easy for me to lose track of time pretty much anywhere when I'm reasonably comfortable, sort of physically. And I just have things that that I like to see I mean I can lose track of time even on the tea I mean there's been a couple of times that I was just looking at people's shoes and messed my stop I mean it's just like I'm very myopic so I really get sort of focused on the details and then the world just sort of fades away
0: mm. sounds tasty <laughs> now how old would you be if you didn't know how old you are Probably 10 years old
1: I, I like this age and maybe 12 um, I like this age because you don't have any preconceived notions yet of or at least I didn't at the time of how you should behave because you're a girl or you're this or you're that or something and I do have to say it was a really great time where I would bring home snails as pets and all the beetles and um you're, you're already more aware of the world that
0: you see these things, how they develop. When was the last time you listened to your own breathing? Hmm, probably yesterday or something like
1: this. I tend to get upset and, and I'm like. And I, it's not so much the listening, is actually the feeling it. Right. And what are you never without? Well, Two things: hairband and doggy waist bags. <laughs> now, but hold on, listen, listen to me because this is very important. Hairband, yes, of course, it keeps the hair out of my face. But you can put the camera onto a branch if you're out of, um, if you don't have your tripod with you, or you can hold some sticks together to go ahead and make a nice fan to photograph through. And the doggy bags. I'm telling you, the amount of doggy bags that I've used in my life to bring home um, things that are pretty gross and slimy and smelly and you don't necessarily want to touch them or you don't know if it's toxic. So you grab it all up in a doggy bag and you take it home.
0: And so, yeah. (laughs) I don't have a dog, but I think I'm going to have to get some doggy bags. They're really, really good. And I mean, a couple of times I've
1: brought things back... um, that turned out to be semi-poisonous,
0: mm. and I was really glad that I hadn't touched it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Now, if you had an imaginary friend, what would you two do?
1: Uh, we'd go into the dunes, and we'd have an impromptu photo shoot using anything we can find. Fish over the, the face, or, um, you know bunch of grass or something like this and actually the funny thing is I kind of have this imaginary friend it's called my my poor daughter who actually is up for absolutely everything I can literally come and say hey I know it's October or November but what do you think about um, wearing this little white dress and going into this tide pool but just have your head submerged (sighs) we did this actually four years ago and just like, sure, let's do it. Wow. So
0: yeah. So now she's got off. Your, yeah, she's you... off to college. Oh. I'm without, so it has to be imaginary. Okay. <laughs> now that was my last question. Is there a question I didn't ask you that you wanted me to ask you? Probably not. I okay. think um, you kind of did the whole gamut. Okay. And what about a final statement? Anything that you want to tell all the people who are listening to you? Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Well, I would say you are an artist, even if you don't think you are. And you don't need fancy equipment. You don't need money to make art. I mean, the the one thing that I've realized is that you can make art from absolutely anything. It can be a pencil drawing on a pizza box. And you will not believe this maybe, but when I was living in France, there were actually people that had highly sought-after pieces of art that were made on recycled newspaper print. And they were really poor when they made them, and now they were selling out and they were making actual money with this. So make the art. You don't need fancy equipment. You don't need money. What you need is just the willingness to go ahead and look around and be open
0: and do it. Wow. It's a bit of inspiration thank I you so, so much <laughs> thank you stephanie thanks for listening stop by again